I'm not going to lie. I'm really glad the call cut off when we had to stop because I really needed to pee. <laughs> I had plus 250 odds that you weren't going to make it. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast, where Nick Bracha and myself, Stan Drive, are going to break down the upcoming UFC 238 Cejudo vs. Marais. We're going to discuss last week's UFC on ESPN 11, where Gustafsson had another loss to Anthony Smith this time. Nick, uh, good night of fights the other night. I know you weren't able to catch uh, all of it because you had a pretty crazy weekend, but it's worth catching up on a couple of those bouts. And we've got some exciting stuff coming up, man. Yeah, I was able to, at the very least, watch the gifts of the two, count them two, uh, walk-away KOs, or walk-off KOs. They were just brutal, brutal uh, shots. You don't usually get two of those on a card. Uh, so from what everything that I read and what I watched, it looked like a pretty, a pretty action-packed uh, bunch of fights. Yeah, those two knockouts were by Alexander Rockich against Jimmy Manoa. He landed a sweet left head kick followed by kind of a right-hand step over. Uh, It it was pretty basic stuff, but it caught the aging veteran in Manoa. And then Leonardo Santos scored just a devastating right-hand knockout over Stephen Ray. Uh, Santos fights like once every few years, but he just keeps racking up some decent wins. Stephen Ray is actually one of his lower-level wins. So I guess this isn't surprising, certainly not to you and I who picked him. But Santos, yeah, he's got serious talent for a guy that has no interest in ever fighting for a title. Seriously. And you could tell just from those clips, each of each of the guys that got slept uh, made it made a terrible error. Uh, Manoa was leaning hard to yep. and he had his right, his right side. Yep, uh, and uh, Stevie Ray had just uh, overcommitted on some strikes and kind of lunged in. Uh, you know, it was it was one of those instances where you get you get your chin out, you know you get your chin out in front of your chest you know possibly out in front of your foot it's just hanging there, and it wasn't uh, it slept him obviously quite quite quickly but I think so much of it was caused by his momentum, so many of the the great fighters uh, use in MMA use their opponents' momentum against them guys like Daniel Cormier. Uh, when he's, you know, again, when he KO'd Stipe, it's why I can't wait to watch them again. It was, it wasn't so much that that was the the hardest shot in the world. It was that Cormier was using his, uh, his wrestling to essentially um, propel Stipe into the hand. That's true, actually. I think Cormier kind of uh, pulled Stipe's head into Cormier's own right hand. Yes. Uh, I think that, that's actually a very good point. Yeah, when it comes to counter shots, when it comes to to slip counters, the way that Connor tends to win his bouts is that he slips his opponent's right hand, and as his opponent is coming in with the left hook, bringing all the momentum into toward Connor's left side, that's when Connor's left hand comes right down the middle and meets his opponent's head um, for a knockout. Yeah, the, the slip encounter is literally based on that. The idea that once you have your weight set in a certain direction, uh, taking a punch from that direction is worst case. Kind of similar with Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman, where Anderson kind of backed up. And instead of having his one foot forward and one foot back, he was kind of even-footed, and he had nothing to break that shot, and he was just leaning right into it. That left hook that Chris Wyman knocked him out with, yeah, that, that kind of that, that's a very good observation by you. By you, that kind of momentum. 
can make a big difference in whether it's a knockout shot or not. That's why counter shots tend to have a higher percentage of knockouts than just, you know, just an offensive blitz. Um, Anthony Smith scoring a huge win over Alexander Gustafson. Smith is having quite a career resurgence after being essentially a journeyman on the local scene. After at one point earlier in his career, back in 2009-2010, going 0-4 uh, in four bouts in a row, he's come back and, and he's got wins over Rashad Evans, Mauricio Hua, Vulcan Ozdemir, and Alexander Gustafsson um, at light heavyweight, which is super impressive. He's got a loss to John Jones, which is not really much to be ashamed of, but really came back here um, and finished Finished Gustafson, that's probably not quite at his best, but still a super skilled guy. I don't know that I'm excited to see Smith against John Jones again, but it's very clear that Smith's next fight is going to be against one of three men. Dominic Reyes, um, Alexander Rakic, is that how you how you say his name? Yes, I believe so. Or Johnny Walker. And I'm, ex- I'm thrilled to see either of those fights. So now the, the road to John Jones goes through Anthony Smith. That's... Definitive. I think that might be a mistake because it'll, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have Anthony Smith knock off all the contenders and then not allow Jones to fight anybody new or exciting. I think it would be a mistake to risk somebody like Rock. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I just think it's risky to risk someone like uh, Rockich or Johnny Walker. I just feel like it's a risky style matchup against Anthony Anthony Smith, who could very well beat any of these guys. And then you're you're taking away a potential fight opportunity for John Jones. And then we have to see. Jones fight Smith again, which wasn't exactly an exciting affair. But the I, I problem heard- though is there's not is the the divisions too lean. There's there aren't a lot of content top contender gatekeeper type fights. So either you have to throw those those young guns against one another, which may or may not prove something, or you've got to put them through a real number two, number three definitive contender who's been in there with the champ. It's yeah, just, it's they, not a, it's not like it's not like 155 where there's any number of guys you could uh, knock off to earn your way to a, a shot of the strap. I, I agree, but I think that's all the more reason why they got to be careful with matching guys up to Jones. If if there are very few good guys in the division and you're going to eliminate the couple of good ones uh, fighting guys that Jones has already beaten, it it just you're literally have no one for Jones to fight except for the guys he's already beat. So I I agree with you. Like they've right. got. Right. These guys have to get a top six or seven win before fighting Jones, but I think that's all it will take in the UFC's eyes. Uh, as we're seeing with, with Jones' matchup against Santos coming up and his last bout against Smith, it would be great to see a prospect that we really believe has a shot against him get up to uh, Jones. And I think those kinds of prospects having to fight an Anthony Smith or a Jan Blackowicz is, is on the risky side. Um, I think Dominic Reyes... Johnny Walker is another super prospect in the division. I, I just think this division is actually coming to life a little bit. A couple of other mentionable bouts on this event, Nick. Uh, Rajik, we already, already discussed his win over Manoa. Again, a top light heavyweight prospect, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight a top five guy. Maybe Anthony Smith, since they are on the same card, to your point. Maybe that's the next matchup for these guys. Amrikani looking really good again against Fishgold. Any way you put it, he might be a prospect that fights once every year or two, but he's a prospect. He's solid. He's got uh, athleticism. He's got the wrestling, and he's got personality. He actually could be a star for the UFC, judging by the reaction that he got from the Swedish crowd. And he got the uh, he, he got the finish, right? He did against Fishgold. And Fishgold Mr. Fin- Mr. Finland finished Fishgold. 
That's right. Yeah, it was tongue it, twisters. Tongue twisters all day. Uh, tongue. I don't even know if that's considered alliteration, but it feels like it. Oh, uh, it was. That's absolutely alliteration. It's consonants. That's right. Um, and uh, Christos Chiagos versus Demir Hadzovic. This is a bout in which we disagreed on when we recorded the podcast, but I ended up changing my uh, pick before the event. Chiagos, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a mistake on my part. Chiagos uh, wrestled him early, like I expected him to, and he got exhausted in the third round, like I expected him to. I ended up thinking that Demir would be able to finish him in that third round, but Demir was so exhausted and, and damaged from those first two rounds that he didn't he didn't have much juice left in him. And that's why I'm eight, six, and three. Sorry to say. Yes, sir. Y- y- yes, yes, you are. It's another win uh, by you this past week. You're uh, two in a row. I, I had a three event win streak, so I've got some I've got some climbing to do again, Nick. I'm gonna try and get on that three fight win. Yeah, two thirty eight. 238 is yeah. going to be so much fun to pick, though. So any, anything can happen. I really don't know what's going to go down on this card. Agreed. It's such an exciting card, Nick, full of names. Uh, quick mention for Frank Camacho, who looked really good against Nick Hine, just beat him up, did whatever he wanted to him, and finished him late in that second round. And retired him. Re- yeah, re- retired him. We actually had a couple of retirements. Nick Hine, as well as Alexander Gustafson, kind of took off his gloves during his post-fight interview, uh, dropped them. As he uh, said the words, it's over, folks. So, yeah, he's, he's as far as we can tell, retired. I wonder if he's got anything lined up or if he'll be one of those guys that ends up coming back in a year or two like we recently heard Uriah Faber is doing. Yeah, I'm curious to see who Faber signed. He said he has a fight signed. We don't know who, it, who it's against. Um, I hope it's a good fun I, scrap I, for him. and not. I don't want him to be chasing someone around, firing right hands and – and coming up short and, uh, you know, getting picked apart. Yeah, I think I think Uriah Faber actually did get booked against Ricky Simone. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. which, I, which I think is not an easy matchup. Simone's legit, so I give props to Uriah for taking that fight, especially given where they are in their careers at this point. It's a shame to see Gus go. I, I think if he would have just gotten one more judge to see things his way in that first Jones fight, we could be talking about a very different career trajectory um he's probably going to be a ufc hall of famer but but yeah i mean he was a breath away from that title a couple of times just one judge seeing things very slightly differently a couple of times and i honestly at the time at least i thought that he beat jones and i thought that he beat cormier in in those bouts um on rewatch i may have a different opinion but it is a shame to see gus go but he truly was a great light heavyweight and one of my one of my probably top 10 favorite fighters for a long time now ever since that John Jones fight, uh, I you know genuinely wish him the best. I hope he can find a life after fighting that he finds fulfilling and successful. I enjoyed watching his career because he came in green. Remember when he got? Uh, didn't he get Kamurid by by uh, Phil by Phil Davis? Yeah. And you know he didn't know how to defend properly. He was just really really green, and he over six seven years. He, he fought his way up, and yeah, he was that. I'll never forget that knee that he landed on Cormier was just, you know, that was the most we'd ever seen uh, Cormier rocked until the uh, until the second Jones fight. Um, and he was, you know, on rewatching Jones, Gus, I did, I did score the fight for Jones. Uh, it seemed much clearer to me on uh, on second second viewing. I haven't rewatched his fight his fight with Cormier. Um, to know really, you know what went down, but a couple, a couple of bad breaks against against monster fighters like Rumble, uh, yeah. and 
uh, just you know just some bad luck. Uh, too big too. Got finished twice in Sweden. You don't know if that's because uh, of the extra pressure or where he was psychologically. But uh, terrific, uh, terrific, all, one of the all-time great uh, light heavyweights. I think a, I think a top ten, uh, top ten t- or top twelve uh, light heavyweight in UFC history. I agree. Yeah, for the for the last I think six six to eight years, when you think of the top top fighters at light heavyweight, you could not avoid mentioning Alexander Gustafsson along with Cormier and Jones. He's constantly been in that conversation, and. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad to see him go first, considering the fact that he's actually younger than Cormier, who's riding a career high right now. Um, we have got an excellent, excellent card this weekend, Nick. UFC 238, Cejudo versus Marais. I mean, yeah. the thing is, like, we, we spoke about how we didn't really have to do nearly as much research for this card because we've seen almost every person on this card fight many it's times. It's all names. The, 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 as we mentioned on last week's show, the kickoff fight on the early prelims is Joanne Calderwood against Caitlin uh, Chikagian. I think that's two top four 20, uh, 125ers. 100, yeah, they're, they're two of the top four. They're, they're probably fighting for number one contendership. That division is fairly uh, empty, and the champion – Ship is on the line uh, later that night with the top two girls in the division. So, yeah, like, and then you've got uh, Carmouche and, and Roxy fighting. Uh, you know that fight's coming up soon. That's the next. That's I believe number four against number five. So yeah, this is number two. This is two and three. You get one one in the champion are fighting. Do you have two and three right uh, in this this bout? And then you've got four and five uh, a couple weeks later. Yeah, you and I had a discussion about how. The UFC, like this division, this 125 pound women's division is be- being sorted out right now. The rankings are probably off. They're probably not accurate and they probably don't represent who the actual best and worst fighters are in that division. But um, they are kind of, th- those places are getting figured out in these next few bouts, which I think is pretty exciting. I think there's not very much doubt that um, Valentina Shevchenko is the best girl in that division. She fought to, uh, I believe, two competitive fights. With the champion of 135 pounds and 145 pounds and Amanda Nunes, she beat the former champion of the division below uh, a couple of times in a Muay Thai bouts and very recently uh, Joanna Yanjacek. So yeah, Shevchenko is clearly at the top. The other girls below her, it, it honestly, I think the rankings are going to look very different in the next year or so. And we're going to get to find out just wh- where those rankings are headed. Uh, in this event this Saturday, which is exciting. So, um, so five dimes is actually favoring Marlon Moraes over Henry Cejudo, despite the fact that in the last 18 months, Cejudo beat Mighty Mouse in TJ Dillashaw. What do you think about this bout? Who's your pick? Yeah, this, this is one uh, that I absolutely can see going either way. Even though I, I've watched tape and I have an idea of how the, the matchup could go, there are a couple of intangibles, and, and those intangibles are Henry Cejudo's wrestling. You wonder how that's going to do against a Marlon Marais who's at the peak of his confidence, who does have a very respectable takedown defense. But Henry Cejudo's by far the best guy that Marlon Marais has been across from, whether it be in training in all likelihood or in a, in a fight when it comes to wrestling. Cejudo's a, an Olympic gold medalist. I know he mentions that every chance he gets – I know he's doing the Kurt Angle gimmick here, but it's true. Like he is that high level 
when it comes to wrestling. Um, Marlon Marais has just a one-touch finish power. I mentioned leading up to his last bout in his rematch against Rafael Sunsao that I favor a Sunsao very I favored a Sunsao very slightly, mostly because a Sunsao can get touched by hands, but he doesn't really get kicked a whole lot with success. And Marais tended to finish his bouts with knees and kicks. Marais landed a clean double right hand to set up that guillotine choke finish. He hurt a Sunsao standing up with those hands. He doesn't only need the lower body to hit you in order to finish you. And uh, Asuncao was a really, really good fighter who hasn't been finished in the UFC, uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Um, so, yeah, Marais has that one-click finish. He could land it at any point, presumably, right? Early in that first round, late in that fifth round, he's got that kind of power where he could just shut your lights off with any random strike. Um, I think that I'm, I'm concerned about Cejudo keeping his right hand low because Marais will throw that left kick and he will throw that left knee pretty high toward the head. Um, that's definitely a concern for me. But I, I, I guess I will edge very slightly Henry Cejudo. Again, I realize he can get finished at any point when fighting a guy like Marais. But I feel like Marais is going to be extremely fast early. He's going to slow down a little bit in the second round and he's going to slowly slowly lose some speed and slowly lose a little bit of danger level as the bout goes on is the way that I'm thinking about it. Now, I'm not saying that by the end of this bout, he's necessarily going to be what I expected Rose Namajunas to be in a fifth round bout against Andrade. I'm not saying he's going to be exhausted by then, but he's going to be slower. And I think his speed is one of his biggest advantages. I think it's one of the more impressive things about Marais. Um, I'm going to favor Cejudo. I think he's going to see the value in avoiding any big exchanges early, I think he's going to try and get those takedowns and be ready for Marlon Barice's guillotine, which is very legitimate. And yeah, I, I favor Cejudo here by a decision, a competitive back and forth decision that maybe you and I will disagree on who earned uh, as we talk about this bout next week, but super excited about this bout and I'm giving Cejudo a slight edge. I am unfortunately going to say almost exactly the same thing. I've loved watching Marais's run, but Henry Cejudo and what he's accomplished uh, in the last couple of years, I just feel like uh, he's a winner who makes adjustments and finds a way. I don't. I think he's going to be uh, very, very smart and and cautious and strategic early on. He's not a lot of the guys that Marais has been sleeping. It's not that they're bad fighters are terrific fighters but i feel like a lot of people are getting caught standing right in front of him i don't think henry cejudo is going to stand in front of him um i could even see cejudo uh maybe catching uh, you know changing levels catching an angle and cracking Marais, um similar to how he cracked dillashaw i think uh, i think cejudo is going to finish in the fourth round to your point cejudo has been hitting very hard ever since that loss to DJ. And Marais yep. did get kind of flash knocked down against, uh, the, against another fighter who was actually competing on the same night. And that is, uh, I'm sorry, his name escapes me, uh, a little guy from Greg Jackson to move them from, up from 125. Not, not Jimmy Revere. Oh, uh, P uh, Pedro Munoz? Uh, it was John Dotson. Oh, Dotson. Right, right, right. Yeah, Dotson? Dot Dodson throws. Dodson certainly throws bombs. Um, I yeah. I just feel like I feel like Cejudo is on a Cormier level right now. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I do think both guys will be extremely fast early and their speed will taper down, but I think Cejudo has more tools to win yes. when he doesn't have that speed, whereas Marais really does need the speed, I think, to finish. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think we're on the same page here. I mean, I am really psyched about this bout. I think this is the highest level of fight as you can get anywhere yes. near that weight class. And both guys having finishing potential, uh, both guys having, I mean, uh, Marais having the submission edge, but Cejudo having the wrestling edge. Uh, their striking is probably probably fairly competitive, but Marais being the bigger finisher, even though Henry's been coming into his own and hurting guys lately, it's, it is a fascinating, fascinating style matchup. Uh, Henry, the kind of confidence that he must have gained from his last two wins against TJ Dillashaw and Demetrius Johnson, um, there's, there's few things, uh, I think, that can rival that. And despite Marlon Marais's finishing streak, he's finished his last three bouts all in the first round, two knockouts and one submission. Despite Marais's finishing streak, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to go with Henry Cejudo's experience against two of the best fighters of all time in his last two bouts. So I can't believe that Cejudo is, on mo- from, in most sports books, a close, uh, close betting underdog. But in the next bout, the uh, Cerrone Ferguson, um, I think is, is, oh, that's not the co-main event, is it? It's listed here on, on best fight odds as the second fight. All right, we'll hold off talking about that. The co-main event is I and, and Shevchenko, isn't it? That's right. All right, well, we can talk about that one really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I, think not- the mi- I think the minus 1,400 plus 925 is maybe, maybe she'll make a fool out of me uh, is, uh, is accurate. I think that's Shif- Shif- I mean, Look at what Amanda Nunes has done to everybody. Look what she did to Cyborg. Look what she did to Rousey. And Shevchenko arguably won that second fight and certainly held her own in the first fight. I just think this is a uh, any any way anywhere she wants to win this fight, she will. I can't see I having anything for her. Yeah, I'm there with you. I favor Shevchenko in a big way. I. I, to, to be fair, I think the odds are insane considering how inactive and not dangerous Valentina Shevchenko usually fights. Now, granted, usually she fights the best opponents in the world. Uh, Priscilla Cachoeira clearly is not at all a good fighter, and it took her till the second round to finish uh, Priscilla, who hasn't won a fight in the UFC since her UFC debut against Shevchenko. And since then, she's fought much lower level of competition. This is the kind of opponent that Valentina Shevchenko can finish. She needs to have that kind of confidence, and you need to look that bad. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know that she's going to blow her out of the water unless she really feels like she should be able to come in there and do that. And it's not like Jessica I's been getting uh, finished left and right. Even when she has lost, there have been close decisions, some split. Um, so I favor Shevchenko by decision here. Um, I also think at those odds, and we're going to maybe talk about the betting a little bit later. I think at those odds, um, there's, there's a little bit of value on Jessica. I put, put 10 or 20 bucks on her that you are happy to never see again. Worst case, um, Valentina Shevchenko at these kinds of odds, she's going to lose sooner or later. And I think there's a small chance that given her inactivity and Jessica eyes, uh, you know, the, the fact that she tends to fight competitively with everybody. They both do. Um, I think given that, there's a tiny, tiny chance that I might earn a decision here, and it's worth like a $10 bet to to have the potential to win $90 or, or whatever the odds are currently. But we'll talk about that later. Anything's possible. 
in MMA. I would be anything is possible, but again, against two fighters that are known for fighting competitive bouts against just about everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, I had certainly been more competitive at this weight class. Uh, she was not. She was not. Impre- I didn't find uh, her fighting very impressive when she was at um, thirty-five. Yeah, when she was right. I mean, if you look at her record, she lost decisions to Alexis Davis, a split decision, Misha Tate, Juliana Pena, Sarah McMahon, Betch Cohea, another split decision. Um, everybody but Betch on that list, they're really talented, really experienced, really athletic fighters. Yes. Um, and, you know, again, not a whole lot. And, and a lot of those fighters, Sarah McMahon, Juliana Pena, Misha Tate, they're, they're you know, they'll, they'll tend to finish girls. Shevchenko doesn't really finish. And I, I know that Shevchenko's better than all those girls. I get it, but not by several leagues, I don't think. Uh, again, I, I just I just feel like I, I hope Shevchenko comes in here and blows her out of the water because skill-wise she deserves to. She just doesn't seem to uh, put her foot on the pedal. Um, maybe the, the, the odds will give her a little yeah. more confidence. Um, well, I mean, the last time we saw her we saw her do that was a little over two years ago against Juliana Pena. That was a she was she smelled blood and and got got that nasty arm bar against a a real a top wrestler. Yeah, I, I think she got it off her back, and I think she was still in control leading up to that. But uh, you know, like she did get it off her back. Like she, uh, you know, what, I don't think she was like dominating her from the top and then just locked it in. Um, but yeah, she 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 did finish Amanda. Uh, she I'm sorry, she did finish uh, her, which is impressive, and that makes a difference to me. Um, I think that's our only finish in a long. Well, huh. if you don't count I, Priscilla Cachoeira, that's our only finish in a long, long time. Ever since back in 2014, that's, it that's like. true. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that she had been stopped by Liz Carmouche nine years ago in a small promotion. Whoa! I had no idea, Nick. I'm seeing this now. I had no idea. Oh, I'm looking at Tapology. I'm guessing you're looking at Sure Dog. What? Uh, what did it say she was stopped by? Uh, just TKO. Hey, I'm looking at I'm, at, I'm on Wikipedia, actually. I see. Yeah, uh, Topology just says loss. It's fascinating. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure that's back when she didn't have a ground game of any kind, and Liz Carmouche was probably a top has, of the Yeah, has, has murderous ground and pound. Yeah, uh, although I wonder if she had it back then, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Did it even take that kind of murderous ground and pound back then? But yeah, Shevchenko right now is the best of 135. I just wish she, like... She acted as if she was head and shoulders above everyone else. She she's very 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 tentative. Best at one at one twenty five. You mean? I mean at any weight division. She's yeah. very tentative. She she doesn't. Yeah, but but if I mentioned one thirty five, yeah, I meant one twenty five. Of course, uh, Nick. Now we get to talk about the People's Co-Main event, the fight that I mean that excites me about as much as Cejudo versus Marais. Um the, uh, the, the stakes aren't quite as high, but they are almost. Tony Ferguson, who is on a massive win streak. Not only is his record 24-3, and three, but I think he's on a 17-fight win streak. And I mean 17 fights, all of them in the UFC, Nick. That is unheard of. Um, he is a finisher through and through, a pressure fighter. Uh, his record now 24-3, and three, and he's going up against... A very familiar fighter in the UFC as well, Donald Cerrone, who's got the most wins in the UFC. Pretty sure he's got the most fights in the UFC. His record is 36-11-0. Uh, he's on a three-fight win streak. 
after having come down from 170 to 155, he's 2-0 against Alexander Hernandez and Ally Quinta. Nick, what's your breakdown of this fight? I am curious, man. Well, Ferguson is on an 11-fight 11, 11 win streak, um, but he hasn't been uh, super, you know, super active. He took almost a year off after fighting Dos Anjos uh, before fighting Kevin Lee and then took another year off before fighting Pettis last October um, and has had some, some personal issues since then. Uh, yet he's still favored in this fight. And after picking Ally Quinta to beat Donald Cerrone, I am not picking against Cowboy anymore. I am shocked that Cowboy's an underdog after that last fight and with, with Ferguson coming off for him. Um, you know, this, these, kind, these kind of big gaps between his fights. I th also, knowing that Cerrone had success against some very... And he got, he got, some, he got some lumps, too, but had some, some, some success at 170. I, it's my opinion that Donald Cerrone is going to truck him. I think, that's, I think Cerrone is going to uh, TKO Ferguson in the first or second round. Wow, Nick. I mean, that is wild, Nick. Ferguson's gotten hurt a lot against guys who do not that hit as hard as Donald Cerrone. That is true, but man, to I mean, man, to give Cerrone such an edge. But by the way, if you're saying it's 11 wins, and I clearly grossly over exaggerated at, at 16, 17. Uh, but yeah, like you, you think he's gonna just mow him over? I I do. I think that he's gonna. I think he's gonna bully him, and I think I think that Cerrone will be able to walk him down. Um, I think he's stronger. I think he's physically strong. I think he's bigger and considerably stronger. And we've just seen, I feel like we've seen Tony get kind of get pushed around. He's super resilient and has lots of different ways to win. But the look in the eye, the look we've seen in Cerrone's eye over his last three fights, I'm not picking against that dude. Yeah. Um, I, I watched tape and I realized Cerrone's a badass, and I realized that he's having this incredible career resurgence, seemingly that coincided with his kid being born. And I, you know, I, I, I didn't give it enough credit last time, and you gave that credit. I, I think you, you mentioned that, uh, despite the fact that you picked Iaquinta, you mentioned Cerrone has a chance because of the motivational kick he gets from his son. Um, I think, I know that I favored, I know that I favored uh, Cerrone's opponent, Al Iaquinta, in his last bout. And I know that Cerrone ended up looking really good against him. But as we spoke about that fight, I mentioned all of the stylistic advantages that Cerrone had in the matchup. Right. My argument was that despite all of that, I favor Iaquinta's pressure to be enough. Iaquinta knowing to go to the body, where Cerrone has historically been weak, where you know he can't really take a liver shot very well. Um, the thing is that Cerrone didn't really fight that way. And... And Cerrone's knee is something else that I mentioned, and how and how Cerrone will throw those leg kicks, and maybe that's a factor here since Ferguson had uh, an ACL tear, I believe, from about a year ago, and, and came back after like six months and to win his last bout against Anthony Pettis. Um, maybe that'll be a factor here as well. But Tony Ferguson is just a relentless, nonstop pressure, almost inhuman fighter. He has the conditioning to throw hundreds of strikes per round. And keep on going. He might go seven or eight rounds if you let him. Forget five. Ferguson can keep throwing at Cerrone and put the kind of pressure on Cerrone that, that he's not comfortable with. On top of that, Cerrone did beat uh, Anthony Hernandez, I like Quinta, Mike Perry in his last three bouts. But what are all those guys? They're Russell boxers. 
And we, what, yes, we have and, talked about that. Yep. Yeah. And, and what's Cerrone really good against? Shorter, stockier guys who are going to want to come in with overhands with their head down, leaning into that left knee of his. Tony Ferguson is not going to lean into that left knee of his. Um, I don't. I know, Cerrone could rely on a takedown. I think. I think if he's smart, he just might, and maybe in a three-round bout that gives him a much higher chance. Because I think Ferguson is he can be taken down, but he just scrambles out like a madman and usually hurts you as you are on top. Um, yeah, I, I just favor Ferguson's pressure. I think Ferguson's switch stance is going to be a factor as well. The fact that they're about the same height and Ferguson's not a foot shorter or half a foot shorter as Cerrone's been used to against his last several opponents. Iaquinta didn't really pressure Cerrone. He could have won that fight. He had the potential to win that fight still. He didn't pressure. He didn't feel like he could pressure against a much taller man with so much reach because he was just going to walk into his offense. So I don't think that Ferguson's going to have any of those problems. Ferguson doesn't really have a mode in his head that allows for him to retreat or to cower or to cover up. Yes, uh, Ferguson can get hurt in the first round, but Cerrone's a slow starter. He doesn't. He, is. he doesn't tend to throw any big bombs early. Uh, again, I, I can absolutely see Cerrone winning this fight. Do not get me wrong. Uh, he's a badass, but I'm gonna favor Ferguson because he's absolutely insane, and I'm gonna assume that his recent troubles at home are not going to be a big enough factor because that could really weigh on on a lot of fighters. Well, we've got our. Uh... Our first discrepancy on the card. I like it, and I'm super. I can't wait. I can't wait. This card. This card has so many fights. I'm, I'm thrilled to watch, and that's certainly at the top of the list. Uh, we've got a number one contender, like a number one against a two, in uh, Nina Ansaroff, uh, Mrs. Amanda Nunes against uh, Tatiana Suarez, who is heavily, heavily favored, and is. Uh, considered the heir apparent at this weight class. Yeah, given those odds, uh, and honestly, given the kind of dominance he showed over uh, people like Carlos Barza. Like, Carlos Barza doesn't really get dominated a whole lot. Um, and and she was out-wrestled, more importantly. Right, right. Carla's never been out-wrestled. So, yeah, Suarez is legit as far as I'm concerned. I do think she's got to shore up a lot of her other... Uh, areas of the game like i don't know that her submissions are uh, nearly as high level as her wrestling but they're decent and i'm not a big believer in her striking yet and she does have the size advantage i think over most of her opponents height and reach so that's something that she'll really be able to take advantage over once she can get there but in the meantime she's fighting nina Ansaroff, who actually uh is very similarly sized um she's only got a reach uh a one inch reach dis uh disadvantage but she has the same height of 5'5". Five five. Nina's been looking really good. Uh, she is um, uh, dating Amanda Nunes. And I think, uh, you know, being day-to-day -day with one of the best fighters in the world, uh, maybe certainly the best, the best female fighter in the world, I think that does a lot for you mentally. Uh, going through the training camps with her, eating the same food as her. Um, and so uh, I'm, uh, I realize that Ansaroff has a shot here. I actually think she's another one that's worth putting a few bucks on. I, I agree with that. Um, but I'm going to give it to Suarez, who I think should be able to out-wrestle her, despite the fact that Nina, I think, has shown pretty good takedown defense, again, ever since her career renaissance lately. Um, I can see how she can win, but I'm giving Suarez the edge. Uh, exactly. I feel exactly the same about that fight as you do. Uh, looking, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I, think, uh, I, just, I think that Suarez's wrestling 
is going to be should be str- I think it's going to be strong enough to get her to the gold. Yeah, if she can just develop her ground and pound, and with her body type, she really can have insane power with ground and pound. Like uh, longer limbed people can do damage from the guard. Um, I know. Uh, and so, yeah, if she can develop that a bit more, she can be easily compared to Khabib with her kind of uh, advantage over just about everyone in the division when it comes to the wrestling game. So, looking forward to her development, and I'm I'm glad she's fighting some top fighters now. I think her next stop is going to be. Valentina Shevchenko, and uh, you know that's actually going to be a much closer odds fight, uh, which is unusual for both girls. Next up on my list, at least, we have got Jimmy Rivera versus Peter Yan, which is another great fight. Uh, you almost kind of look at it as a bit of a passing of the guard, but Jimmy Rivera is twenty-two and three. He's he's number six in the world, and he's only twenty-nine years old. So. Both of these guys, uh, Peter Yan and Jimmy Rivera, are in their prime. Peter Yan at 12 and 1, coming into this bout with four fights, uh, four fights won in the UFC. Two of them finished by finishes. His last bout was against Jordan Dotson, and he kind of dominated the guy uh, in the latter half of the bout. Although, although I think Dotson had a moment or two in that bout as well. Um, I do think that. Rivera's used to fighting a higher level of competition, and uh, to me, this one is a complete toss-up. What are your thoughts on it, Nick? I, you know, I was a big Jimmy Rivera fan, and I feel like since he got uh, knocked out by Marais, he, um, you know, he did win a, not, if I recall, a not very inter- a not very uh, fun fight against Dodson. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like that fight wasn't nearly as action-packed as uh, as we thought it would be. Um, rarely are to be. And then he lost to, and then he lost to Aljamain Sterling, um, and he he got kind of dominated uh, in that fight. I think that he kind of peaked uh, with the Faber, you know, with the Faber victor that run of, against Munoz, uh, Alca- Al- Alcantara, and Faber. And, and I think, he, I, uh, yes, and I think that. Uh, Jan is on is on the way up. I just uh, I think he's got all the momentum and he's got some serious pop. I think there's a good chance that he finishes uh, Jimmy Rivera, a guy who before a race I thought was be, would be you know no one's unfinishable but close to unfinishable. Um, he just seems so friggin' tough. But I have a I have a feeling that Jan's really going to bring it to him and find the chin. So I'm picking I'm picking Jan. Uh, Possibly by decision, but I smell I smell a, uh, a TKO. Yeah, I um, I actually think this is a closer bout than the odds suggest. I think. Oh, I, I agree with that. The odd, minus three thirty plus two seventy is pretty is a little. Uh, that seems really extreme to me, considering it's a twelve one guy who hasn't really fought the best of the best against a twenty two and three guy who has. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Rivera is coming off of the first uh, couple of losses uh, within a few bouts in his career. I know he's got that John Dotson win sandwiched in between there, but it wasn't the most impressive victory in the world, even though I thought that he deserved the win. Um, Marlon Marais and Aljamain Sterling, Marais landed that big head kick and, and, and finished them. Aljamain Sterling uh, basically kept him on the outside. There was a big size difference there. I think Rivera, I think this is a pick and bout. And I'm still p- picking Peter Yan just because I think mentally he's probably in a better place. He's got that relentless confidence. But I can absolutely see Rivera countering him effectively. 
Yan likes to pressure forward without throwing much. He likes to pressure and wait for a counter. Rivera's not really going to give him a whole lot, I don't think, to counter with his hands. So Yan might have to actually start throwing first. And Rivera's quick on a counter. And Yan's usually available to be countered, I think, uh, just based on some of the tape that I've watched. Um, I think the, the, the bat is closer than the odds suggest, but I still give the edge to Peter Yan because I think he's going to have consistent pressure. Uh, pressure. He's not going to be the faster guy here. But I think his pressure when will 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 win out as the bout wears on. Jimmy Rivera uh, will grow a little bit tired. Uh, that pressure will start to get to him, and Pirian is going to start to show that he's uh, a step ahead, not just uh, not just kind of hanging in toe to toe. So yeah, I think Pirian is going to start to take over in the second half of the bout, earning a decision victory. Next on my list, Nick, I've got Tai Tuivasa versus Blagoy Ivanov. Another close bout on paper. I'm actually not sure what the odds are. Looking at them right now, uh, yeah, about as close as I would imagine. Blagoy Ivanov at plus 125, Tai Tuivasa minus 145. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov actually coming off of a pretty big victory. Um, over, yeah, over Rothwell. Over Rothwell, yeah. A lot of folks think that he didn't deserve the decision. I thought he did. Rothwell wasn't throwing the harder shots, and he was getting countered hard just about every time. Um, I know he kind of looked active, and he did his weird dancing around stuff, but I thought Blagoy Ivanov deserved a close decision, and he got it. Uh, before that, he was in a somewhat competitive decision loss against Junior Del Santos, who is you know the cream of the crop when it comes to this division, especially uh, at this point in his career. He's had a bit of a resurgence lately. So uh, he's going up against Taitu Vasa, who's 10-1. Uh, also looking really good in the UFC. Uh, he is 3-1 and one in the UFC now with his only loss coming to, once again, the best of the best, Junior Dos Santos. I'm going to give a bit of an edge here to Blagoje Ivanov. I know both of these guys lost it to the one guy, and that's their one loss in the UFC. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Blagoje because I think he's going to keep countering Toivasa at the same pace throughout the bout, and Toivasa is probably going to start to fade a little bit as the bout wears on. But... Would not be surprised surprised if Toivasa exploded and, and, and did something crazy and finished the bout. He is super explosive, and a man his size crashing into you knee first is always going to lead to a knockout. What do you think, Nick? It's funny we're both uh, we're both picking a few underdogs or uh, tonight. I I uh, I agree with you on this one. I was also going to pick. I let, it's this is too, too, both of these guys are so ridiculously tough. Um, but watching Ivana fight JDS and eating a lot of shots, um, I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think he's got, I think he's going to have, um, a little bit better cardio. Um, I see Ivanov winning, uh, winning a decision in which some, some serious thunder is, uh, is dropped. Yeah. I think Ivanov tends to kind of slow the pace down and, and just counter, uh, whereas Ty's aggressive enough to, make this an exciting bout. Uh, if a counterfighter has an aggressive fighter to fight, the counterfighter can be exciting because you're giving him opportunities to counter. So th- right, this right. has the makings of that uh, sort of matchup, even though Blagoy Ivanov generally isn't in the most exciting bouts, if you ask me. Um, now uh, we've got Pedro Munoz against Aljamain Sterling. I honestly Man, feel... what a great fight. Any of the last, like, any of the last several bouts that we discussed that were not the co-main or main events... Could have been main events of a fight night card, including this one. Pedro Munoz uh, looking really good lately, coming off the biggest win of his career over former champion Cordy, excuse me, Cody Garbrandt, um, a win over Brian Caraway, which is impressive at any point in Caraway's career. Uh, Brett Johns before that. 
Um, and he's fighting Aljamain Sterling, who's been looking spectacular outside of that. One time he got caught by Marlon Moraes. He's 3-0 and since then, though, including a win over Jimmy Rivera in his last bout. What do you think of this one, Nick? Super excited. I think that uh, I have a feeling that, I mean, Sterling is really good, and he's a, he's a very strong grappler. I think I, I think Munoz is going to find his chin. I think uh, I think Pedro Munoz gets uh, essentially uh, catches him like he caught Cody and knocks him out in the second round. Another underdog. I think this is. I'm picking a lot of underdogs tonight. Yeah, um, I, I expected this to be a pick. I'm looking at the odds. Yeah, it's a it's a close bout, but he is an underdog. Aljamain Sterling is minus one fifty, and Pedro Munoz is a plus one thirty. Um, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this line swings the other way. I just feel like it's a very close bout on paper. I think yeah. that the advantages that Algermain had over Jimmy Rivera, he doesn't necessarily have to the same extent over Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz has the plan B of a really good ground game. Uh, Algermain can't expect to just get takedowns and do his thing if he wants to. Pedro also has an excellent hard right hand that he's been sitting guys down with for those last few bouts. And I think it's the reason that I, I believe I picked him uh, over uh, Cody Garbrandt in, in in his last bout because of the power that he has in that right hand. That's, by the way, I didn't expect Garbrandt to just go for broke and fight kamikaze style. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, he's got, he's still got the size and reach advantage over uh, Munoz, though. I'm not sure that Munoz will be able to get close enough to land that right hand. And I know that uh, Munoz is 5'7", and Aljamain Sterling is uh, 5'7", but Sterling is, is going to keep him at kicking range, I think. And he shouldn't be worried about the ground game because I think Sterling is good enough not to get submitted. And if he, I think who's ever on top here is going to do well. Sterling probably getting a bit of an edge for me on the ground overall. I'm giving Sterling an edge, um, but again, super close. I just feel like he should be able to keep the distance as he's gotten used to in his last few bouts. But I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if Munoz lands a big right hand into a guillotine. Well, we've got our second, uh, our second point of differentiation. I like it. The next fight's a, like when we disagree, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> the next fight's a tricky one because um, I've been picking and winning by picking against Carolina Kowalkiewicz for a while, but she, she's getting a real. I mean, she should be able to beat Alexa Grasso based on what we've seen of Alexa Grasso if she sh- if she shows up like at all. This is a very, I don't want to call it a get a get right fight, but based like. Kowalkiewicz should be able to win this fight. She's a more skilled fighter. She's had more success. She's been in bigger, much bigger bouts. Um, I mean, she has a win over Rose Namajunas, for Christ's sake. Uh, I, but it's still so hard to pick her because she's looked so flat. But I'm going to. Uh, I think this is the. I think this is the fight where she turn, where she gets some confidence back, uh, and wins the decision. So I'm going to pick Kowalkiewicz. I'm there with you on this one. I like Grosso, and I think she's got the yeah. potential. Uh, if she maybe had another two or three bouts in the UFC, I think she would have had what it takes to beat this current version of KK. Um, but I, I'm giving the edge to KK because of her clinch, her clinch game, the fact that she does have a hard right hand that she hurt several fighters with, including Yoanny and Jacek. Um, I think Alexa is going to be there throughout the bout, and I think Alexa's probably in a better point in her career. So this is could be a competitive decision, but I'm giving the slightest edge to KK here. 
Um, I, I love her demeanor right before the Boutnick where she kind of has her arms behind her, her lower back and she kind of leans back against the fence with one foot up. Um, it is the, the with uh, with the risk of being disrespectful, the sexiest goddamn thing I've ever seen before a fight, Nick. And uh, I, I, I hope Carolina gets her groove back here and, and gets a much-needed victory. And I hope that Alexa looks good in a loss because she could be a prospect in the future. The... Uh... Opening up the preliminary card, we've got Ricardo Lamas against Calvin Qatar. I I just think Lamas has been slowing down a bit, and Qatar's on the way up and has some thunder. I see Qatar uh, knocking him out in the uh, probably late in the first or the first half of the second round. Yeah, uh, I see. I see Qatar potentially finishing him as well. Um, I think Qatar's not the kind of guy that just like catches you cold out of nowhere. He breaks you down and he sets up the the opportunity to land his right hand, um, and then he lands it eventually once you're tired enough and that buzzes you, and then he finishes. Uh, Qatar is a very talented, very even keeled guy. I I've been watching him for a little bit now. Lamas is super skilled though. Um, I yes. know I know he get lost a split decision to Mirsad Bektik, uh, and and he got punched by Josh Emmett in a fight that he was basically dominating until he just got caught with a big left hand. But he's super, super skilled. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Lamas was able to get a victory here, but I think I'm assuming Qatar's uh, Cater's uh, takedown defense is good enough to keep the majority of the bout standing. And I think whatever explosive movements Ricardo Lamas has, uh, like you can basically watch two of his bouts and you know the three things he goes for. Uh, that you really have to worry about. And as long as you watch that tape and you practice it, you're good. Um, I think his game is that simple, even though he can be dynamic and explosive. And I'm giving the edge to Qatar. I think he's going to catch him late in the bout, not early, uh, after Lamas loses some confidence and starts contemplating retirement, not because he's getting dominated, but because he's getting frustrated. Uh, so what do you think, uh, Angela Hill, on a card again, for it feels like for the third or fourth time since we started doing the show? Um, and she's fighting Xiaonan uh, Yan. Xiaonan Yan, I believe. Xiaonan Yan. But I, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I I like Angie, and, and I met her uh, you know, a few times, and she's really cool, and I always root for her. Um, but I like Yan. I, I like her. I actually think she's a bit of a prospect in this division. She She's fairly skilled, uh, mostly standing. He pli- she applies her trade. But she does have enough knowledge of the wrestling and ground game to get herself back into the position where she needs to be. Now, she's fighting Angela Hill, who's standing herself. Uh, you know, she's made her basically her career from her stand-up abilities, right? She's won all of yeah. her bouts standing up. But um, I don't Hill, – Hill has great footwork, and she moves her head well early on, and she's evasive and hard to hit. But that's taxing. You need to have next-level cardio to be able to pull that off for – three or five rounds straight. Um, I think Angela Hill will slow down, and that's when Yan will start to take over. And uh, I expect Yan to take a decision here, but Hill to have some good moments early in the bout. Unless Yan goes for an immediate takedown and feels she has a big advantage there. I guess Yan could finish the bout if she, uh, if she pursues that strategy. I'm picking, I'm picking Yan as well, uh, very much in line with your, your perspective. Uh, Bevan Lewis, Darren Stewart. What do you think about this one? Um, giving the edge to Bevan Lewis, uh, even though he just got knocked out and Darren Stewart hits hard, um, I just figure he's going to keep pressuring and 
hopefully be smart enough to go for takedowns. But Darren Stewart can get a knockout here, especially against the guy who got knocked out a few months ago. Who was looking great until he got knocked out, Bevin, the extraordinary gentleman, Lewis. That's right, he was. Who do you got in that one? Um, I also have have Bevin Lewis. I thought he was really, really impressive. And I think he'll... uh, I mean, hopefully he's not too cautious. Um, And then we've got uh, Grigory Popov making his UFC debut against... uh, the veteran Eddie Wineland. Yeah, Eddie, a former WEC champ, 23 and 13 and 1. Grigory uh, Popov, 14 and 2, but he's basically fought a bunch of, you know, lower level guys with under five fights. His one or two bouts, right. guys with a bunch of fights he lost, I think, but that was years ago. Um, Wineland isn't exactly a young pup. He's got a lot of miles on him, but he's really skilled and he's got the UFC experience. I do see this as a pickup. I'm not sure what the odds look like. I'll give they're the, close. They're very close, but why? Uh, I believe Wineland's favored. I mean, yeah, um, I feel like yeah, Wineland's favored a little bit. Wineland could probably just get a takedown and finish, but I'm giving it to Popov because I'm thinking he'll do enough damage early on to 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 uh, you know to, to not allow Wineland to have the energy to finish him. Yeah, it's been three and a half years since uh, since Wineland wins. Wait, so who who did you pick? Um, I'm picking Popov, but again, like very close. I, I see avenues for Wineland here. I'm going to pick Wineland. Uh, any particular reason? Have you seen uh, tape on Popov? Uh, not tape. I, it's, I, sh- I should have watched some tape, but I'm just looking at his opposition, uh, where he was fighting, what kind of card, what kind of cards they were. I think about um, Wineland's big game experience, and I think uh, he's, this seems like a. F- I don't. This, this seems like a, f- a fight. Uh, the the category of opponent he should be able to beat still. Yeah, very good point. And also, he's traveling in from Thailand. I believe he trains with Tiger Muay Thai. So it's another thing in Wineland's favor. Another point of disparity. I like it, Nick. Caitlin Chikagin <laughs> going oh, up against boy. Joanna Calderwood. Uh, what are your thoughts, my friend? I, I love the way Calderwood's looked since she uh, since she's been at Syndicate. Uh, ain't no way I'm picking against her. I'm a big big fan of JoJo. Yeah, I, I could see Shukagian kind of just boxing uh, on the outside and, and keeping distance and preventing anything from landing for anyone. But I'm going to pick Calderwood because I think she's going to pursue the takedown avenue. And, you know, based on her last performance, she might be able to get takedowns against Shukagian and, yep. and hopefully land some strikes. I'm, I'm always rooting for Calderwood. I don't always believe in her. But uh, this time I'm I'm on uh, I'm on the same page as her. She, she's, looked, she's just looked really good since finding that gym. I think her and Roxy training together – uh, it is great. I think it's helping Roxy striking, and I think it's it's really helping Cal- Calderwood's uh, grappling, takedowns, uh, submissions, and ground and pound. She's just looked really. She, I feel like before she switched over to the gym, she didn't always look thrilled to be in there, and uh, and the last the last few fights, and she, I mean there was a change in weight class also. Um, I just I just think she I just think she's looked fantastic, and she's winning in different ways. Um, I mean, Chukagian's won some won some big fights, but I feel like Calderwood just has uh, terrific momentum right now. Yeah, it, it seems like it seems like Calderwood was going through a lot of drama with her whatever training camp situation she had she had in Scotland or, or whatever. Right. Uh, she was dating the coach, and you know, like if if you have a fight with your boyfriend, uh, you don't have your coach, and you can't do that in the middle of training camp. That's unacceptable. So I'm glad she's uh, got a real camp behind her. I'm glad she's got somebody putting together a game plan for her, and I hope it works out for her here because she's been asking for this 125-pound division for a while. It would be awesome to see her make her way up to a title shot. 
Yes, and uh, you know, Chukagian's had a good has a good UFC run. She's only lost two split decisions to Jessica I and Liz Carmouche, both top five fighters in this 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 the fledgling uh, 125 pound division. Yeah, you know she's she you know she's going to be a tough out, but I see uh, uh, Kylerwood seems to be finding creative ways to win, and I think she'll continue doing that. I'm also, never... cr- also creative ways to finish. Like there's a. Uh, uh, Chukagian's involved in a lot of decisions and a lot of split decisions at that. Yeah, Chukagian, again, she keeps that long long distance and she likes to throw strikes that fall just short of hitting her opponent, kind of like Holly Holm a little bit. Um, and yeah, like sometimes opponents run into her shots and that works out, but it always looks extremely close. So uh, Joanna Calderwood isn't exactly known for her footwork, so that could be trouble for her. But I figure game plan wise, as long as she's focused on it, she should be able to. She should be smart enough to cut off uh, that ring and and uh, uh, that octagon, and maybe go for takedowns instead of following uh, Chukagian. She should be meeting her where Chukagian is circling and kind of stopping her momentum and, and yep. meeting her roundhouse kicks as she walks kind of into them, the way that Shogun did against Machida, uh, a guy right, that had right. a lot of. Work a good way to stop that footwork uh, if they're running all around you is with roundhouse kicks in, wh- in whichever direction they're going. They're just kind of kind of run into kicks. It's going to dissuade them from moving as much. So yeah, uh, I, I think uh, strategy-wise, Calderwood with her new camp should have a bit uh, a bit of an edge here. Shukagian could very well w- win a close decision though. So it's a uh, yeah great card. So our, our points of differentiation are on Ferguson Cerrone. Um, Ferguson Munoz Sterling, right? That's right. That's two. Uh, uh, KK, we both got um, Eddie Wineland, Gregory Pipoff. Yep. Um, yeah, so we, we've got we, we've definitely got some disparity, which I can definitely appreciate. Now, let me ask you a serious question, Nick. Are you sure you don't want to switch your pick to Jessica? I it's not too late. I am not switching my pick to Jessica. I. I don't support, little, fi- I don't support fighters answer. who were suspended for marijuana. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't care about that. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize you had a, such a strong stance on that. Fair enough. I, I don't have a strong stance on that. 209. Well, mind, from now on, you do. And, 209. 209. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and, uh, and maybe Nina, answer off, Nick. Can I interest you in some of that? Nope. I won't be surprised if she wins. I'm, but I'm not going to... Uh, but I'm not going to bet on it. Be that way, Nick. Um, I will hedge my bet on, on these picks. And you know what, Nick? I'm going to promise myself, I'm not promising you or the listeners, I'm going to promise myself that I'm going to keep my picks the same, God damn it. It doesn't work out for me when I change them. The parlay, the Cerrone-Cejudo parlay is where the money's at. Cerrone-Cejudo, I can see that working out well. I, I do feel like the cejudo Marais fight is risky to bet on just because – it absolutely could go either way, and sometimes by the turn of one single strike. Um, I, I just feel like bouts like that, especially when the odds are so even, are just so risky, um, especially in a parlay. But you're saying uh, Cerrone and Cejudo. I actually disagree with you on Cerrone, so I definitely don't recommend that one. Any other bets in mind? Uh, I would. I mean, I would bet there. Are, there's so many pickums in here. I would put money on uh, on Collarwood. I think uh, I do think put if you're if you're going to gamble, okay, I think that the answer of Suarez fight should be much closer than it is. Um, so I, I think putting money on answer uh, answer is smart, even though I'm not picking her. Um, 
I think, you know, I, I mean, Munoz, uh, Ivanov is another interesting parlay, I think. Munoz, Ivanov? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I do feel, again, I disagree with the Munoz picks. So that seems risky to me. But if you believe in Munoz or, uh, or his opponent, Sterling, that might be a good parlay to put together. Um, depending on which one of those guys you you prefer, um, for me it's uh, I, I'd, I'd place a bet on Ferguson straight at minus one thirty five. I think the stylistic matchup and the fact that they're pretty similarly sized um, lends itself to Ferguson just kind of slowly taking that bout over and by the end looking pretty in control uh, of a Cerrone that doesn't want to be there anymore. I would place a bet on Nina Ansaroff, not because I think she'll win, but ten bucks. To win sixty, if 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 she can avoid takedowns uh, for the majority of two rounds, I think that's a possibility, and I think it's worth a ten dollar bet. Again, you're assuming you're going to lose this ten bucks, and best case scenario, you walk out of there sixty. Um, I would place ten bucks on Jessica I at plus nine twenty five. Like I said earlier, Shevchenko and I both fight very competitively with whoever they go up against, almost, and. Uh, you know, it takes a real low-level fighter for Shevchenko to just plow through her, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So uh, as much as Shevchenko is way more skilled than I, um, I has the tiniest, tiniest of chances. I mean, really tiny chance of getting a decision victory here. So again, I put five, ten bucks on her that you really don't care about seeing again and win between 50 and, and what is it, $90. Um, it's, it's not a bad deal, not a bad trade-off. I would also uh, put some straight money on Jimmy Rivera. I think that should be a pick em bout between, uh, between Jimmy and uh, Yan, Peter Yan. And Peter Yan being minus 330 and Jimmy being plus 270, that's a steal of a deal. Even though I picked Yan, um, I think it's a great value. I'd put 20 bucks on that. Um, Aljamain Sterling, I'd place a straight bet on him. I know that's one that you and I disagreed on, so listeners beware, but... Uh, Sterling, I, I think, can keep a range and and uh, and keep a distance that Munoz will have a hard time landing from. I would also play with some parlays involving Calvin Cater uh, at minus 170, Blagoy Ivanov at plus 125, and uh, Yao Nin Yan, who's fighting Angela Hill at minus 200. I think uh, those three fighters are likely to win, and if you can pair them up with some of your other uh, favorites, could make for a very, very nice parlay. Um, I've done a little bit of research for these bets, so I'm certainly more confident than I was last week. Um, and last week, I had a, I had, I was at a little bit of a loss. I had a couple of nice victories, including, uh, including when I placed a bet on Smith. Uh, again, seeing him as potential worthy underdog bet given Gustafson's mental kind of place after the Jones bout, I recommended uh, just kind of throwing away a few bucks on Smith, and that worked out for me. And I'm hoping to come back and, and have a good one this time because I've actually put a little bit of time into planning my bets for this one cool well uh i'm hoping to uh get, regain my threat my three card lead so i can breathe a little easier i really don't know what's going to happen i just want i could i feel like i could come out of this card like i don't know what are there 12 fights 13 fights i can come out of this card three and nine or nine and three like i've got i really don't know yeah um it's, it, it is uh, again it helps that we're much more familiar with these fighters but I will say that, Nick, I expect to get a victory here. Not because I think my picks are much better, but because I really need it. I, I, isn't that the way life works? Uh, no? <laughs> Not the whole thing? All right. Um, maybe, maybe I'll switch to prayer. Maybe, maybe that'll help. 
uh, Nikolai, uh, another one in the books. Uh, yeah. It was, it, it, yeah, I, I, it was fun actually breaking down this card. Um, oh, yeah. Even before we spoke about it, we talked about it as a blast, and then very curious how these matches work out. We actually have a few, uh, a couple of different picks that were fairly confident in each of us, which I think makes it all the more interesting. And I look forward to uh, seeing how that plays out. In the meantime, you've probably got to be up at like, yeah, yeah. 